You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, Ethan Bolton. Good morning, Josiah. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? (laughs) Just fine. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm also fine. But fine is like... I think from a pessimistic point of view, fine's really good. That is. I lean towards the pessimism. What is it that Andrew W.K. says? I'm gifted in, in the, the lower, lower emotions. emotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, doing fine, though. And and that's really kind of a positive thing coming from me. Yeah. And not in a woe is me sort of sense. No, it's if, you, if that's you, I imagine you embrace it. You yes. Know? And if you're an optimist, I'm sure you're very glad of it. Similarly, it follows. Yeah. So uh, Similarly, it follows. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's fair because as uh, my lovely wife pointed out recently, January is the month that lasts like seven years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that can really get me down. <laughs> yeah, know, it does a, last. It's a long month. It's a cold a month. We're, I mean, it's like long. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is over. So that's behind us. Advent is over. That's yeah. behind us. Really, that all that's ahead of us is muddy, cold, bleak, yeah, gray, when nothing it gets, time. When it gets gross. It's not what I would considered pleasant no and i just came back from a week in florida where the weather was lovely the sun was shining the Mm -hmm. sky was blue it was bluer the sky is bluer yeah it was beautiful and then i came back to west virginia and it was like a giant snow squall you know you can't travel it's cold it's frigid you walk outside and your you know eye liquid freezes it is is very i expecting it to actually be colder than it is today i'm wearing like numerous layers yeah Uh, the wind yeah exactly exactly but there are, you know, fun things happening. I mean, sure. <laughs> you know, in in the realm of the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Or like what we're talking about today. I think it's fun. <laughs> that's right. You you do think you do think it is. Yep. That's true. <laughs> this is probably going to be one of the more technical of the podcasts we've ever done. I will I've give never... our listeners a heads up on that. And... Uh, I've never had more difficulty wrapping my head around a concept. Yeah. That's maybe not saying too much in in this realm, in this discipline. There's like, there's plenty that's new to me. <laughs> this especially took some rereading, some careful preparation. See, look at that. And, yeah. You know, and then I'm, I'm hearing that. I'm like, oh no, I haven't captured the thoughts properly. No, so but I'm going like, to have to explain them yeah well i mean and you and you will and i'm gonna have questions don't That's worry. It. hey and you know what that's what makes this fun exactly. see these are fun <laughs> so yeah if uh, you remember we recently did an episode where we talked about the two primary modes that you can identify as seeing christ in all of scripture mm-hmm. so following what jesus said about himself in luke 24 on the emmaus road he said mm-hmm. all of scripture was ultimately really about him which begs the question in what ways and how is that possible yeah, how can you, you figure do that, that out exactly and uh we mentioned two ways messianic prophecy is being one and typology being the other and i mm-hmm. figured that right off the bat we would just get the most difficult one out of the way yeah. which is typology oh, yeah so just brace yourselves. You know, if you have a notebook and you want to take notes and ask questions. It's true. It's possible. <laughs> but this is good stuff. It's important stuff. That's why I feel like it's worth at least broaching. And then if we find out we did a bad job, you know, we can come back and revisit it. We can always revisit it. You know, exactly. we can always do that. So here's a quick definition of typology. Typology is the study of actual events, persons, objects, and themes in the Old Testament that indirectly teach us about Christ in the New Testament. So, in other words, as the author of Hebrews says, there are shadows of Christ all over the Old Testament that show us something of his shape, 
you know, we kind of get the sketch, the outline, mm-hmm. but we don't actually see the substance until we behold the face of Christ in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that at least makes sense as we get off the ground here. Well, I was I was actually going to ask if this was kind of like a form of foreshadowing, mm-hmm. but, but in a slightly more complicated sense, because I have a hunch it's not that straightforward. Yeah. It, it sounds actually kind of nuanced. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, to conceptualize it, because it is a form of foreshadowing, but you're exactly right in that there's a lot more nuance and it's mm-hmm. not quite as simple, perhaps, all the time as we would hope. hope. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, So the types are teaching us to look forward to Christ. And then the idea is when we look at Christ, we can also look back and make more sense of the types. Okay. So you kind of get this like feedback loop of... So if you were drawing the connections on your string boards, like, yes. like CSI, <laughs> yes. your your point A, once you draw that line to point B being Christ in yes. the New Testament, you're able to appreciate point A in a new way. Yeah, exactly. And then it you know, further develops and deepens your understanding yeah. of Christ. All those things. So obviously this is high art. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or dare I even say, as some of my seminary professors have said, uh, it is a rigorous science mm. to do this kind of interpretation work. And I don't we don't often think of interpretation of scripture as a science, exactly. I guess. But it really, I mean, when you start getting into some of this stuff, it starts looking like a science. And the danger with typological interpretation is that you can do really crazy stuff with it if you're not careful. You can make all kinds of crazy stuff up. And when you're dealing with scripture, the comparison I like to draw is that it's a lot like going into a chemical workshop and just mixing chemicals together just to see what'll happen. You're liable to blow yourself up and hurt other folks in the process. So you just got to be careful careful with this stuff. It kind of sounds like there are very specific right and wrong answers in in figuring this out. Like it's not necessarily up to a lay interpretation. Yeah. And there is, of course, debate about, you know, how far and to what degree you should take this. Mm. I would recommend that as you're digging into this, if this is something you've not practiced, that you do get some good helps like a study Bible or you pick up a biblical theology by a guy like James Hamilton, one of those guys to help you in this process, because you can just do a lot in correctly if you're not careful. <laughs> but that's what we're here to try to help you avoid. Exactly. So I figured in our pursuit of learning about typological interpretation and perhaps how to practice it ourselves, it would probably be good for us to consult the master typological interpreter, at least in my eyes, who was Jonathan Edwards hmm. and uh, get some guidance from him on this topic. And just in case you don't know, Jonathan Edwards was a congregational minister in New England in the 1700s. And Christian and non-Christian alike view him as a philosophical theological giant. Oh, wow. Probably the eminent American philosopher, Mm. even though his primary job was he was a pastor and a theologian, and that was his like first love was to pastor the church. But he was a very, very brilliant, very gifted thinker. You pick up any of his books, you will need to read it slowly because he is not he has not an easy read. (laughs) I will I will tell you that, but he's worth it. The time gap probably doesn't help a lot. Yeah, he's writing in you know 1700s English, so it's kind of weird. So anyway, he was a master of typological interpretation. He kind of. I think, advanced the ball down the field as far as that goes. Because if you read the Church Fathers, they were really good about this, but they they sometimes could get a little, it was, you know, an early, they were just learning the science. So, right. you know, it was a little wonky at first <laughs> in, in certain places. But Jonathan Edwards was great at this. And I owe the particular insights that we're going to draw out today to the work of another pastor named Drew Hunter, who was a contributing author to the Themilios Journal, which is sort of a theological journal for pastor okay. types. So anyway, he identified six principles for good, faithful, typological interpretation that we can learn by reading Jonathan Edwards' work. So, All right. Well, I got my flashcards ready, so hit me. Perfect. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Principle one, there is continuity and discontinuity between type and anti-type. Oh, come on. Yeah, we're You've getting right in. Yeah, right into it, baby. Here we <laughs> go. So 
in other words, when we use the term anti-type, we're not saying that, oh, this is a thing that's against typology. You know, it's anti-type. We hate types here. It's not what we're saying. Um, the anti-type is just the thing to which the type is referring or foreshadowing okay. or corresponds to, if that makes sense. So, for example, in our case, the anti-type we're always going to refer to is Christ in the gospel. Mm. That's that's what that's referring mm-hmm. to. What he's saying is that all types in the Old Testament will have a resemblance to Christ, but an imperfect one. Okay. okay, That's all he's really saying. So, there will be ways in which we will clearly see the connection to Christ, and there will be other ways in which we'll see a lack of connection. So, okay, if English isn't your first language, <laughs> I, I trust that you've quit our podcast. <laughs> like, I'm done. Um, but, okay, so what I'm getting, and correct me as needed, so from, I'm literally going to take this from the top. So typology, I'm just going to refer to it as a discipline here, yep. where where we find these echoes of Christ within the Old Testament. Yep. Or within this terminology, types of the antitype. Yes. So echoes of Christ, types of the antitype. Where, yep. And we've used this description before, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, by calling them shadows. Yes. You know, shadows cast this vague two-dimensional shape of whatever's casting it, but they never fully communicate the three-dimensional form. Yes, that's so perfect. So that is essential. That's like that's what we're dealing with in the first principle. Yes, exactly. So let's take an example. Genesis 22. Abraham is told to go sacrifice his son Isaac, and before he does it, the angel speaks, God speaks to him, and they find a ram to offer instead, right? Mm, yeah. Well, we see in that event a type of Christ because there's continuity in that there's a sacrificial offering being made in place of someone else, right? right? Substitution sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That's what Christ does on the cross, right? He's a substitutionary sacrifice. But there is obvious discontinuity in that with the ram, it's an animal, not a human being, and its sacrifice did not atone for sin once and for all. Right, right. So that's what we're dealing with in the first principle. So clearly similar, but ultimately and obviously not identical. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't have the same effect as the the anti-type does. Right, okay. So that's principle one. Principle two, the purpose of a type is to teach about Christ and gospel things. In other words, when we're looking for types in the Old Testament, we're looking for things that specifically point us to Jesus and the gospel. And this is where sometimes you can get some, really not many. I think the church fathers get beat up on this all the time, and it's not true if you actually read them. But like, they would take certain types in the Old Testament to refer to like events surrounding their own lives, oh, or yeah, um, okay. and I'm doing probably a bad job of explaining that. But the point is, the types are meant to point us to Christ, yeah, not to like vague, disconnected things, you know, that <laughs> just happen to be, you know, yeah. I don't know, like water came out of a rock once. They're like, aha, you know, it's like the rock in the Old Testament and the wilderness and all. It's like, no, that's <laughs> yeah. that's not it. So the types are always and only teaching us about Christ and the gospel is the point of principle too. It was the view here that God specifically ordained these details to look ahead at what was to come or is it more of like this is all after the fact like human means of study? So yes. <laughs> well, yeah, both. More the former of what you said. So like in Hebrews okay. 11, for instance, yeah. there is nothing in the texts of Genesis that say Abraham was looking to the city whose architect and builder was God, right? Yeah. The author infers this reality from the fact that Abraham dwelt in tents in the promised land. Okay. Like he never built a house in the promised land, right. even though God promised it to him. And so he's like, well, that was evidence that Abraham was actually looking forward to something in faith. He was looking forward to something. He knew that he hadn't fully grasped the promises. So in a similar sense, the types that we see, the New Testament authors, especially the author of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is like the example of how this 
this science works. Okay. But the types were meant to point the people forward okay. to something. And those who were of faith and could really, really had the eyes to see it, mm-hmm. they didn't, I think it's Peter who says, the prophets inquired as to what the spirit of Christ was revealing to them. Oh, wow. So they knew something was happening, yeah. but he says, but it was not, it was made clear to them that they were prophesying not primarily for their sakes, but for yours. Oh, oh, wow. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's yes, this is, is the uh, yeah. correct answer. And we, you know, continue to make advances in this field as, as the days go on and as we continue to make connections. So it's principle two. Principle three, and this is where you start having to be really careful, mm. is that there are more types in the Old Testament than the New Testament explicitly interprets. Okay. So in other words, the New Testament does not mention every mm-hmm. type that actually exists in the Old Testament. Not every loose end is tied up. Exactly. Now, some theologians try to overcorrect the dangerous potential Potential of typological interpretation mm. by saying that we can only typify what the New Testament explicitly typifies. So, it, for example, if a New Testament author had never explicitly said the tabernacle is a type of Christ, then we couldn't either, okay. is what some theologians okay. say. That is an overcorrection. It, do, it does feel like a pretty hard line to draw. It is. So, take, for example, Hebrews 9.5. That little section there, Hebrews 9.1-5, through 5, I guess, technically, is where the author is talking about all the elements in the tabernacle. So, you have, like, the altar and the... Uh, the lamp and the bread, you know, all these things, mm-hmm. these tables. And what he says in 9.5, he's getting to like the mercy seat and he's saying, above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. Which Edwards, rightly, I think, takes to mean that the author of Hebrews saw typological significance in each item of the tabernacle. Okay. That something about each of those items was teaching us something about Christ. Mm. But in that letter, he just did not have time yeah. to get into every detail. There's so much incredible intentionality about the things concerning the tabernacle and later yes. the temple. It mm-hmm. is very, I think, natural to assume that they are not just casual, right. nonchalant details. Yeah, and actually, I'm remembering now the author of Hebrews said that Moses was shown the pattern on the mountain and he was to follow it like to the detail. Mm-hmm. And he was doing that because these earthly things were copies of the heavenly oh, tabernacle. That's interesting. He's saying, you're getting an earthly copy of something that exists in heaven. So I want it built down to the detail. Yeah. So what Edwards is arguing that the author of Hebrews is arguing is that each of those details is not insignificant. Right. That it's not just, you know, when you're reading Leviticus and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like I can't, <laughs> like why all these details? Why is this curtain have to be this color? And why does it have to be this long? It's like something in those details is meant to some extent to show us something about Christ and show us something about his gospel. Therefore, that means that the task is still left to us as interpreters to make the typological connections in a faithful and accurate way. So that just reinforces the point that there are more types Mm. in the Old Testament than the New Testament explicitly identifies. Does that mean that these like kind of, I'm going to say unconfirmed interpretations, the ones that are explicitly laid out in the New Testament, the ones that we make inferences on and Mm -hmm. and draw connections, does that mean they're like a lot less certain and more like um, this is definitely what we strongly think unless proven otherwise? That's what I would argue, okay. and that's what I would go with. If you take the science analogy to its... Oh, yeah, that's a great thing to point out. Because we do, you know, like you have a hypothesis, and basically you're saying, here's what the science tells us until... Until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise, yeah. and we're willing to hold that with an open hand. So that's how I approach it. That makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so principle four, and again, another complicated one you have to be careful with, but... <laughs> This follows logically from principle three. Types can be understood apart from any New Testament interpretation. So, you know what I mean? So, like, obviously, if the author of Hebrews didn't interpret every detail of the tabernacle for us, we have to interpret it apart 
from explicit help in the New Testament. Make sure I'm tracking at the beginning. We're saying that even if we did not have the benefit of the New Testament, these are still something we should be able to study and learn and benefit from. Yes. Even without that confirmation that the New Testament offers. Right, exactly. Jonathan Edwards would actually say that under the preaching of the gospel and with the New Testament, we have an enormous, immeasurable benefit yeah. in looking back. Because even where we don't have explicit interpretation, it's a lot easier because oh, we yeah. have a whole base to work with. Exactly. But his point is that those texts are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And if all we had was like just the gospel, right, and we knew who Jesus was, we would be able, with the Spirit's help and with a lot of uh, thinking and meditation, to be able to interpret those types. And that's what, like, I mean, Paul says that. I mean, he tells Timothy, think over what I say. Yeah. For the Holy Spirit, for God will give you understanding in everything. And then you also have Paul saying in Romans, you know, what was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So yeah, we can understand those things. And to go back to our earlier example from Genesis 2, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm accurate on this, I don't think a single author in the New Testament explicitly links the animal being offered in Isaac's place to Christ's substitutionary sacrifice. I don't think that explicit link is made. That incident is obviously mentioned in number of times. Mm. But that specific link to the animal and Christ and substitutionary sacrifice is not made. But if you're a Christian... It screams at you. Yeah, you read it that you're like, holy mackerel. Like, obviously. Yeah, like, how could you miss that? This is elementary. (laughs) Yes. So, um, that's the kind of thing I think that Edwards is getting at there as we can do that. So... And well, that makes sense because essentially this is something that could be practiced before the New Testament was written. Yes. Insofar as Jesus is on the road laying the foundations for this practice basically and saying this I'm doing this thing now Yes, where you don't necessarily have the benefit of confirmations Yeah, but now you know you know who I am and then you should be able to go back and make those connections exactly yes you slow of heart to believe all the prophets have written (laughs) so yes and then principle five the types should only be interpreted with proper warrant and this is of course the real crux of the issue because you need controls so that you're not like going out of your mind to, you know, <laughs> make up stuff, right? Yeah, something to keep you from going off the rails. Exactly, right? It's like, should we take every reference to number three to be a typological reference to the Trinity? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, we should probably not do that. I don't think so. So Edwards notes from Hebrews 8, 4 through 5, going back to the tabernacle again, it was not just the tabernacle that was typical on the one hand, nor was everything imaginable typical on the other hand. Instead, everything related to the tabernacle was typological. Mm. Thank goodness Edwards isn't difficult to understand. I know, right? (laughs) So let's put that back. We'll go to our Genesis 22 example because I think that makes it a little more concrete and easy to see. Do we have proper warrant for saying that that ram is a type of Christ? Well, I think we do because, just as one example, we see Christ's blood referred to in 1 Peter 1.19 as like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So Peter links specifically Christ's sacrifice to this blood offering that's made in our place, and that's the kind of thing that happened on the mountain. So, like, there's warrant there. We're not just making that up. Do you always need to have, like, backup evidence or, like, these extra references to point your conclusion in the right direction? Yeah, when I'm listening or reading or looking for something like that, I want to at least see connective tissue to the New Testament. So again, not an explicit mention, but like, okay, here's an example. Um, And it's not one that I've vetted thoroughly, so maybe someone should vet this and see where I'm completely out of my mind. But I was reading recently in Genesis, the story of Joseph. And, you know, that's a story of, well, if you know the story, you know the story. Let me tell one part of it. His father sends him to his own brothers saying, you know, go find out what they're doing. His brothers hate him. They mm-hmm. do not receive him, and they're like, let's kill him. And instead of killing they throw him into a pit, yeah. right? Well, that is a type of Christ 
I think even you can see that in the linguistic connections of the text in that Jesus is the beloved son whom the father sends to his own. Mm. His own do not receive him. Mm -hmm. They conspire together to kill him. Mm -hmm. He is, uh, in the language of the Psalms, thrown into a pit, but then he is raised back out again. Okay. I see that as a type of Christ. Yeah. And there are linguistic connections there, thematic connections that I think, okay, that makes it a warrantable type. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's what I'm, I'm looking for when I'm doing it. I say that as if I'm like, I'm the expert. <laughs> I'm the subject matter expert on this. But that's principle five. And then finally, principle six. And this is a principle I think that's, it's not just true of typology. It's true of the whole scripture. So this principle will sound a little bit like Edwards is being harsh. And I, I'll just say the principle. He said principle six is the failure to understand types is on the interpreter. Okay. So Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for making me feel terrible about myself. It's my fault. I know it's my fault. Yes, I know. I'm terrible. (laughs) But he draws parallels between Jesus's parables and the types of the Old Testament. So you remember Jesus told all these parables. Yeah. And he was surprised at how often he's like, have you been with me so long? Like, you don't understand (laughs) what I'm saying to you. Like, I'm walking with idiots? Yeah. Like, you know, because like he's expecting, you know, you can think through this and you can make these, these links. Yeah. And obviously, we do need divine help, I mean, to some extent on that, right? Sure. Like, you have divine help. Like, you can, you know, it's like when he uh, asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they give him these answers. And then Peter <laughs> says, you're the Christ. And he's like, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who's in heaven. Like, you know, it's like as Peter was walking with Jesus and thinking about this and meditating, I'm sure, on the scriptures, the father revealed to him in that thinking, oh, you are the Christ. You are the son of the blessed. And so that's what we're getting at here with principle six is that it does take work. Again, coming back to that reference in Timothy, Paul told him, right? That's that section there in first Timothy, or is it second Timothy? One of those two letters, he gives him these like little aphorisms, like uh, the farmer deserves the first share of the crops. And then he tells Timothy, he doesn't explain it. He just says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. <laughs> so I think there's this expectation that's like in our thinking. Yeah. God will. Like God has to give us the understanding, but it, he does that in our thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, it's not either or, it's both and. Okay. That's typology. And uh, all that said, I would argue that the real beauty of typology is that it shows the Bible to be a unified whole written by a divine author as a testimonial to the most wonderful person who ever lived, Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, there you have it. Yeah. And that's, that's the real beauty of it. So not to get lost in the cool science aspect, you know, like, oh, yes, textual science and <laughs> all of this stuff. It's that, you know, the point is we want to encounter the living Jesus yeah. and be transformed by him and have a, a moment like the disciples on the Emmaus Road did where mm-hmm. we're like, wow, like yeah, my exactly. heart is burning within me as I read this, you know, Old Testament passage that I thought had nothing to do with me and it turns out it has everything to do with me and Christ. So if you have any questions about that. <laughs> and you really might. Email Jonathan Edwards at, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. Mm -hmm. And if you benefited from this, you know, your Bible reading was changed forever, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review and share with your friends, you can do that. I see the review now. Typology changed my life forever. (laughs) You never know. You never know. (laughs) Well, thank you as always for listening. Happy reading, and we'll see you next time.